coming up on the podcast. We're talking all things MPLSA. We're talking a little bit about Milestajowski's extension with MacArthur. And with Lewis Nanny expected to leave Melbourne victory, does the A-League men have a bit of a marquee issue? That's all coming up. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And tonight I'm joined by Antonis Pagonis to first discuss, we're going to do a bit of a check-in of the MPLSA where we are here in, uh, here in South Australia and just do a bit of a local check-in because there were some games on Anzac Day on Tuesday and uh, the season's now nearing its halfway mark and things are starting to, I guess, um, you know, formulate in terms of narratives and, and, and different subplots. So yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a good time to kind of check in and see what's, uh, what's going on. And Tonus, first of all, how, uh, how are you going on this, uh, on this Thursday? Yeah, going all right. It's the one day this week, I reckon, uh, I haven't had to write anything. So it's a bit of a quieter one, which has still been pretty busy, but that's more, that says more about the week than today. If anyone listened to the last podcast, Antonis made a subtle uh, complaint about the fact that he had to do all this writing. Um, I don't, I don't assign the writing to you. You, you, that was voluntary. Come on, come on. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, just in case I have a not paycheck or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys, all our, all our, um, uh, behind Hashtag closed doors, jokes. all our inside jokes are becoming, uh, becoming public with every podcast. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on. To the, uh, to, uh, those Anzac Day results and, and the NPL, uh, here in SA. So, uh, a few different points. So Adelaide United Youth and people, if you're listening like in Sydney and, and Melbourne and just across the country you might be aware of this, but Adelaide United Youth are actually leading, uh, the NPL SA at the moment. Um, and Antonis, I know you're going to provide a little bit more context to it in a second, but it's, it's pretty incredible, uh, to be honest, the way they've started. They're two points ahead. Um, and the question now, I guess, is how long can it last? They won, uh, at, uh, at one of the big clubs at Campbelltown on, on Tuesday, uh, 2-1. They also won at Metro, who have been on fire this season recently. So, I mean, they, the big, the big tasks, they're also, you know, ticking. Um, and it's just kind of, they were a finals team last year, but it's, I don't think anyone saw them being this good, right? Yeah, it's a case of the last year being a final thing was more of a sneak into finals. But as you said, this season, it's, it's a case of you're leading the competition. You've beaten two of the top three teams. Mm. And that all goes back to the experience these young players are getting. Someone like a Johnny Gill, who hasn't played the last couple of weeks because of his early commitments, he got introduced to this team like three, four years ago. I think it was three years ago, maybe fighting relegation. And he blossomed into one of the best midfielders in this competition. He's getting A-League minutes. That's the case with half that squad, you know. And even this season, there's been a lot of chopping and changing with the team because guys like Nestor Irakunda, Panash Madana, Luka Jovanovic, etc., 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 can keep going. Ethan Aligic, you can keep going as much as you want, have been involved with the A-League squad. But what you're seeing right now is these guys are not coming down as young players to play the role. They're coming down as players who are dominating the competition. 
and these new generation of young players that are coming in are playing their roles as well, and they're only benefiting from it. So it's a very good time for the Adelaide United youth system, which is always a reflection on the South Australian clubs and their youth development, which obviously mm. flows into Adelaide United. So big credit, right, yeah. not just Adelaide United, but to the full that's system a, of South Australian football. Yeah, no, that's a really good point because I think a lot of people probably think, you know, like Adelaide United, um, there's a lot of young players coming through from Adelaide United who are going into the first team and that's great. But some of those guys, as you're saying, have actually come from other clubs first to the United Youth setup and then maybe have gone through. So, you know, that there's actually other clubs who are helping to contribute to the actual A-League setup in a way, inadvertently. So that's kind of, it's, it's cool when you look at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not like in other states, it's good, it's good and it's bad side that you pick them up when they're 12 or so and you take them and develop them. A lot of them, next to Rakunda a couple of years ago was at Adelaide Croatia. Nathan Amanatidis, who's signed and is starring this year for Adelaide United, it was a West Adelaide last year. So it's a big credit to those clubs as well. And, you know, as I, as I say, a strong Adelaide United, when you have a system like that, is a credit not just to the club, the club does its job, but all the other clubs are contributing to that. And it's great to see for me, honestly. So who's, you mentioned Nathan Amanatidis. Amanatidis. The Greek, there. man. Come on. Um, hey, hey, I'm, um, come on. You, you, you got the Greek background here. All right. Um, don't, don't make the Italian hand gestures. Come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Nathan Amanatidis. Now he's one you mentioned, but I guess who, who are the new, like, Johnny Yule, Luki Ivanovic, who are Bernardos? Like, who are the new ones kind of coming through now this season? Yeah, you've got Ryan White, who's come over from Para Hills, that's been getting some minutes, and he's been impressive while he's been on. But usually the development comes from the reserve squad. And we've had guys like, um, Harry Crawford, who got some minutes last year, but he's introduced this year scored um the other week against FK Belgrade. Very impressive young player. One of the best crosses at the club already in my books. You've got just well, he can't, he can't be the best cross at the club though. Uh, one of the, not the <laughs> you can't call the candle to Craig right now. But someone like Giuseppe Bovellina who's been at the system for a few years, right back, big tank, scores goals. He's really coming into his own. And I was really I really enjoyed seeing him um, in this week's training session, training with the A-League squad, you can see how even like Carl Veard is appreciating that work. Musa Toure is coming into his own and starting to follow the path of his brothers. And there's many, many players. I can keep you here all night for this because it's a side I follow but Please closely. don't. <laughs> yeah, watching. I personally, like I said, I watch the reserves yep. in the main side every week. So there's a lot to talk about there. It's a great time for that system. And everyone, as I said, has contributed to that system and keeps contributing. Do you think how long how long will this last? Do you think? Do you think that could actually be be up there, you know, for for the season or? Well, you know, the challenges that they usually face with A League players being taken away from the A League, they've been passed with flying colours so far. I think the next big test is now after the A League season finishes, how it plays out, because then you've got the contract situations, who remains, who goes off. So you might have a bit of chopping and changing. Mid-season, it depends how the squad looks after that. But it feels like not just eleven players; it feels like a squad. And it's not always been that case. It's felt like that for the last couple of years. 
So they're more than capable. But again, you can't judge until you see how it plays out after the A-League season finishes and the current crop of A-League contracts end and you see how the squad plays out after that. Okay. Um, Adelaide City. Let's uh, let's talk about it. We need to talk about Adelaide City because we were there on, on Tuesday night. They lost 3-1 to FK Beograd. And something is just, I don't know, something's going wrong there, um, with, with the, with the team this season in terms of the way they're playing. And they're just not getting, just not getting the results that, that are expected of them. I mean, this, this team has been so good the last two seasons. Um, and now all of a sudden they look really beatable, like fragile. You know, they've won three, three out of nine games, uh, which is, you know, very, very, very surprising. Um, and that's, you know, with still now they lost, they lost, um, you know, if you want to go back to the, uh, the halfway point of last year, they'd lost, uh, Kirker, of course. Then they lost Ayum Majok, um, to, to the Brisbane Raw. But I mean, they've still brought in guys like, you know, Gus Williams, uh, Katsu's been, been good, the Japanese signing, um, you know, and, and other guys, even someone like a Nick Frances is a decent option to have, uh, off the bench. But, what I mean, how are you seeing this? Because this is a team, like I said, who have been, you know, more or less untouchable in the last two seasons. Now, all of a sudden, they're showing not just cracks, but I mean, right now, they're actually outside the six. Mm-hmm. And I actually mentioned that in our eyes up the other day. That yeah. I can't remember the last time they were actually out of the six. So yeah. it's it's a bit of a weird side to see. I think everyone had them penciled in in their six and actually quite high coming into this. For me, a couple of things that I noticed, number one, they just do not look as lethal as they used to be mm. last year. Before they got Kirk, uh, before they got a human Majok last, you had Kirk doing the business, and then you got a human Majok who we all know how he fared last season. And another thing is the press. Like it feels like that press is actually getting beaten with a lot more consistency. It feels like are. it's slower than what it than but what it normally is. The problem with that though is once that first line is beaten, everyone's playing catch up there. And problems start. And when you feel the team like they did against Beograd on Tuesday, it only has one center back. That's when you get caught because, okay, the Mike Lear Laugh goal, you cannot do anything about. Let's be honest. I was, I saw, okay, okay. I saw a comment. I think, I I think it might have been because you shared that goal. I I saw saw someone comment on there. What's the guy on the line doing? And I'm like, okay. That's yeah. a bit harsh to the guy I'm on the not, line. I'm not putting anything on that person, that, no. that player was. But, no. you know, forget that. You can't do anything about that. Scores are level. The other two goals, though, the centre-back gets turned each time, you know? Mm. It's mistakes you don't think about when you think about Adelaide City the last couple of years. And it's easy to forget, but Dakota Oxenham had to actually save a penalty in that first mm. half, too. So, Beograd could have easily had four goals, you know? So, Adelaide City needs to do something to change this. Again, you don't write out back-to-back champions. No, And no. for me, they're kind of like a Campbelltown during the three-peat season. You don't always have to be at the top of your game because once you make finals, it's a different story. But at the moment, they need points or they might not make finals, you know? Well, you're still back to yeah, but I also still think... Them. No, yeah, I... Absolutely. But I do think they're a team where they need, like, they probably would need to go into finals off the back of like a really, like a run, you know, where they, where they put together like a really good month of football. They're kind of beating teams comfortably. And cause they're, cause they're a team where once they get in, 
that possession flow, that attacking flow, and they can rely on their transition really well too. I mean, they're, they're unstoppable. They're just as simple as that. Um, and when they, yeah, when they can't though, then you see a stagnant team that struggles to break down the opposition and then now is conceding cheap goals. And yeah, the center back thing was interesting because in that second half, um, you know, uh, well, actually, no, even in the first half, my bad, we saw Juan Gutierrez, usually a right back, actually, you know, deputizing at center back. And there was a change there, uh, from Paul Pezos, which was interesting to see. But, um, yeah, I guess, you know, I think you're still pretty, still pretty confident that they're going to be able to, you know, find, find some form very soon and, and, and turn this around. I think they'll make the six. Like, I think yeah, yeah, they're good sure. enough to make the six, obviously. Um, but it's just one of these teams. I back them again, not to, somehow finish first because I reckon they'll both sail this season. But I back them that if they make finals, I back them in situations, you know. I back them when they come up against Club X in finals that in those 90 minutes, Paul Pezos will find a way that he will find a way to get out of a tough situation because they've got the experience on the pitch and they've got a fantastic coach. So, Again, we, we've seen Campbelltown in the past come into these finals not looking as sharp as usual. A lot of us, myself included, have backed Comets in these grand finals. And then Campbelltown City comes and gets mm. the job done. So it wouldn't shock me if they just turn the switch. But again, you need to find form during this period to actually ensure that you get into finals with some form, some consistency, and a decent position in finals. Yeah, hopefully they hopefully they start uh putting some points on the board because I'm concerned about our Paul Pezos um propaganda. Um uh, and, that's and gone that's gone and, it should be it shouldn't. It shouldn't go anywhere, yeah, I know. Um but I'm just, you know, just slightly concerned. Yeah, and if it continues then we can just get Nick Booker on here for a please explain. Um <laughs> so <laughs> just go straight straight to the source. All right, anyway, um let's let's actually move on to to one guy you definitely want to talk about. Uh and you wrote a piece uh on him recently, did an interview. James Temelkovsky, uh Metro Stars striker, because he is um you actually jokingly uh mentioned in, in your winners and losers piece this week that um you know he was on a drought um with with you know a quotation uh, marks because yeah, it was only three games and then he responded with a hat trick on Tuesday. I mean, this guy, we, you know, I, I needed a couple games just to see it and just to kind of, you know, take it in a bit more. You were kind of, you know, from the start, like, you know, he's going to be unreal. And then now I'm like, yeah, okay, he should be playing A League. I think the way this is going because I mean, he's just torching people every week. His free kicks are like, he just smashes the shit out of the ball. Um, and it just goes in. It's like, yep, no worries. But also with him, if you really watch him closely, it's the, it's the ability in tight spaces. He can link up. He's got, he's got a well-rounded game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very impressive. And I've called him multiple times. I call him again, the best striker in South Australia at the moment for a reason. 11 games, 11 goals. Sorry, 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 sorry. When you said that, it just reminded me of, uh, another coach who called someone the best striker in South Australia. Actually, <laughs> 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 no, no, that was Australia. 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 A couple uh, of years I'm ago. Going, I'm starting in, uh, in the lower leagues, but no, it's wherever you go, 11 goals and 11 games yeah. cannot be ignored and anyone that's seen Tamolkovsky play this season again you see the goals but you see everything else he does you know mm-hmm. the hold up the tight spaces the link up he's a well-rounded player and you know coming to this season Hamish Gow is the best free kick taker in the league you know his free kick literally ensured Adelaide City is not an invincible side last season to give a free kick 
to this newcomer. It just tells you how impressed everyone at Metro is by this guy. And honestly, he should be playing A-League, I agree. But if he's not playing in this potential national second division the next year, something's wrong with his national second division because that's exactly <laughs> the people you need. They're 25 years old playing like that. You know, it's it's a no-brainer. He's been fantastic. You know, you cannot get any better. He is the reason Metro is not dropping these random points here and there like they used to in the past. Mm, mm. And even yeah, in games he hasn't scored, like we were there at Adelaide City versus Metro, he had a heap of chances. And if you if you play that game nine to ten more times, I reckon he scores in nine of them. You mm. know, so yeah, I could not be more impressed. Yeah, he, he seems like one of these strikers where he's, he's always going to get a chance. Like every game, he'll have chances, and it's just a matter of whether he's going to take him or not. And at the moment, it looks like you know, seventy-five, eighty percent of the time, he is going to take him. Um, and yeah, he's. He's, uh, yeah, just, just on an incredible, incredible run at the moment. Okay. Uh, let's move further down the table. Um, because there's a couple of teams who kind of came in with maybe not big expectations, but probably bigger expectations than what they're performing at the moment. Uh, particularly when we did our preview pod at the start of the season. And these two teams in particular are kind of down in the dumps. And I don't really know how they're going to turn around. So Croydon and Ad- Adelaide Olympic are two teams that I've, that I've circled Croydon. Um, and we've had, tra- we've, uh, we've had Travis Dodd, uh, on this podcast before, but they, yeah, they, they had a bit of a, you know, turnover with the squad. Um, and they obviously moved into their, into their redone home as well, which looks, looks fantastic. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't, hasn't been able to gel so far. What, what are you seeing with them? Yeah. You know, last season, what made them was their defense that, you know, kind of similar to Western United in the A-League. <laughs> Once Croydon scored against you, that was it. Croydon's issue is that they don't have the Alexander Priovitz type player. This season, though, they've lost a couple of pieces from that defense without adding much up forward of note. A couple of nice players there, but I don't know if they're those real big difference makers. It was shocking to see them drop into the relegation zone on the weekend, but, you know, they got out of it as fast as they got in it by beating um, South Adelaide 3-1. Yeah. And again, that's, I think, the frustrating part about Corden, that it's there, they can do it, but it's about when you serve it up. And if this but you, is need, a club- you, need, you need scalps as well, right? Like, you can't, you can't just be, you know your South Adelaide sturts of the world, you know, and kind of be okay with that. I think, you know, I was I was on commentary when when Croydon played Comets uh, at home and that was a game which they could have easily won. You know, they, mm-hmm. they played really well and then they kind of just, for whatever reason, they let Comets go back in the game and then they go behind. So you, you feel like if you're going to take that next step and actually, you know, crack the maybe the top four kind of area in particular, then you've got to start beating teams, you know, that are, that are, that are above you, really. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely, and that's the next step. But I think like you have to start doing the basics right yeah, first, cool. which they started doing on the weekend. Um, again, it was on Tuesday. Sorry, they weren't the greatest goals. All three goals were very scrappy. But when you're down in the dumps, you'll take anything. So I think they'll take that boost in form. But as you said, you need to actually start beating a few of these sides because. Not only did they enter the season not expecting to be in the relegation zone, they entered it expecting to be back in finals now, having mm-hmm. a home base, not having to travel to Ethelton or wherever they were training. So it's baby steps, but yeah, you expect a lot more from Croydon. And I think they'd be very honest and tell you the same thing for the club itself. 
Okay, uh, and Adelaide, Adelaide, oh my god, why can I not say Adelaide Olympic? This is bizarre. Because it's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, Adelaide Olympic, what, uh, what are you seeing from them? Here's my take on Adelaide Olympic. Um, how about try not to get a player sent off, uh, this weekend? And, and then, <laughs> and then maybe you can start to build something from there. Yeah, I think you and Johnny had them. In like the finals, mix, no, no, I don't, no, whoa, whoa, I had I'm like sure seventh eighth. <laughs> no, 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 I had him like seventh eighth range. I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, well, I'll go far. I'll go and look, but yeah, I don't know, go, 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 go. I'm but, pretty yeah, confident anyways, about this. Anyways, regardless of that, uh, it's it was really good to see them add Christy Vangeli and Michael Jacobson at the back there. But again, Christy Vangeli, who got sent off on Tuesday, oh, just, a, just, just a, to feed into my defender. point. He's a very good defender, but yeah. the problem is there, once you let James Tamalkovsky there, you either cop the goal or you make a challenge and nobody doesn't score. You can't do much there. Um, but it just feels like, you know, Andrew Calderback comes in and he's more of a project coach. Now, I'm not sure if he's still at Olympic. <laughs> I don't know what's happening there. But again, he, this is a project you're going to build and it doesn't feel like it's gone off the ground yet. Someone, an important player like Kristen Constantopoulos is still injured. And when you don't have a player that integral in your midfield, it's hard to make it work. So, and you've got other things, other injury concerns. You've had, um, Michael Jacobson miss a couple of games. You have Christos Penendis miss a couple of games. So it's, it's very inconsistent. I think they need to play a lineup, even if it's not the ideal one, just for a few weeks, just to kind of settle down a little bit. Because even the latest win against Modbury, it was basically Modbury handing them that game in the end, I remember writing in that piece. So I think, like Croydon, you need to settle, do the right things first. Again, it's more of a settling kind of thing to ensure you finish with 11 players on the pitch for a week. And then you go from there. But, you know, last year they made their names coming from behind. This season we haven't seen as much as of that. And, you know, they probably need to stop going by, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> if they are to have a decent season. Because in 20, a few years ago, they were one of the best clubs in that, South that's, Australia. Yeah, I know. That's why it's, it's weird kind of seeing them. And then, you know, you see some of the signings that they've made. Um, particularly, like, they seem to be having the struggle defensively yet you know you've you signed two two guys who have got all this experience mm-hmm. and and really should be able to patrol um and set the foundation for a good solid NPL level team right mm-hmm. um and, yeah, yeah and it's a team effort that defending too mm-hmm. and a lot of the times you see and I've seen it in the past with Olympic and other clubs that you go behind and after a run of neg- negative results once you go behind instead of fighting to come back the pointing and the blaming begins. And once that happens, you're not going to go anywhere. And it's easier said than done to break that. But yeah, it's a place where they find themselves in right now. They shouldn't have been fighting for their lives last year and they shouldn't be this year. But once again, you see them deeply entrenched in this battle for survival. Quick one uh, before we go to a break. Anzac Day Games. Now, it was brought in because of, of course, there's going to be a break. A two-week break for the Women's World Cup. That's how that's how football South Australia have have approached it uh, during the group stage, and yet so then they had to find um, you know somewhere else to put to put the uh, one of the rounds that were lost. So Anzac Day games. You think this is something you know all the teams played? You had games in the afternoon, then a game at night. Um, is this something that could be a tradition? I guess for the competition. 
I I personally enjoyed it. Mm. Now, as a player, I don't know how much I'd enjoy my day off from True. work yeah. to go and play, especially if you're playing a night game and you're playing and you're working the next day. But again, as a player, and I'm sure players are weighing that between having two to three weeks off mid-season to go on a holiday and they probably take a week's discomfort. I enjoy it as a fan, but I guess for the players, it's it comes down to preference. But again, even if you don't like it as a player, I think a lot of them will appreciate it when they get their time off in the middle of the year, which I've heard a few of them are using quite well. Yeah, well, um, I wonder how some of those beer grad players are rocked up to work on uh, on Wednesday because, uh, yeah, you can just go on the, yeah. on the on the club social media. It's a big celebrations there after after yeah. the win on uh, Tuesday night. They uh, they that's love it. That's a day off. That's a day off. <laughs> oh yeah, they absolutely love it uh, down there at uh, Frank Mitchell Park. All right, uh, let's uh, let's take a break. Okay, so second part of the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about some A League stuff. Um, first of all, uh, it was actually just announced a couple of hours ago before we, before we came onto the podcast. Mile Stojovsky has signed the contract extension with MacArthur, uh, until the end of the 24-25 season. Um, initial thoughts on, on this one? I didn't expect it, did you? No. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a out of nowhere one. Usually when you get a, an interim coach in, for them to keep the job, like the whole point is I will have the interim in and then we'll do our job search while you're in there. The only time this job search stops is if the interim has performed exceptionally and you're like, all right, this is the new coach. Kind of like what happened with Carl Viet in the bubble. Going mm. into the bubble, no one was really saying Carl Viet's going to be the next coach. But a couple of weeks into it, it was pretty undeniable when he was saying it as well. Like, I want this job. I haven't seen anything like that from a car to warrant Millet, and I'm sure he's. They, they've actually coach. they've arguably gotten worse under under but Millet. The thing is, yeah. I'm not going to go there because yeah. he's walked into a dumpster fire that's, that's and true. told, yeah. "Yeah, deal with it." So I'm not going to judge him as a coach here. I am just judging the club's operation, which I thought these months they've been looking for a manager, but if it was. Like they've settled for Stoltovsky and who knows, it could be a case of a Ruben Zadkovic that we're looking at and we're like, Oh, I don't know where this is going, but internally they can see it going somewhere. And next year they'll rock up and there'll be a competent football side. But again, from the outside, I don't think we've seen anything to make us comfortable with that. But good so, on him for earning that, you know, you're yeah. not going to put him down to getting that job. Good on him. Yeah, there's or- there already are some some reactions on uh on Twitter and stuff around yeah kind of okay what's what's he done to kind of warrant this which which you can understand so his record so far is two wins three draws and and seven losses but as as you say and I kind of agree it's it is a bit of a dire situation that he walked into and and we know what happened with York and 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 whatnot so it's hard to hard to judge um what I would say is isn't you could make a case that this isn't too bad from the perspective of there is a sense of stability ab- about it in the fact that Sajowski, even, I mean, you, you said Zakovic, this is probably arguably more of a sure thing in the sense that Sajowski's actually, you know, he's been involved in that club for a few years now, uh, working with, with the Northbridge Bulls, which of course are other, now they are MacArthur's, you know, known as the MacArthur Academy, but he. Zakovic was involved with Perth's. Um, you're, you're right, you're right. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm thinking of is before that when he, when he was, uh, uh, coaching in the, in the Northern New South Wales NPL, uh, as well and stuff. But 
that's that's true. So it's it's uh yes, similar situation in the end. Okay, that was that was bad. Forgot about that one. Anyway, um <laughs> it's it's late and I've had a big day. Um but in terms of in terms of uh Sajowski, like yeah, so I guess I'm kind of coming in from that perspective where it could be a good thing that he he would know how, you know he knows how the club works he knows maybe the young talent coming through we've seen someone like Ollie Jones who's a young centre back who's getting some minutes recently and, and looks okay so uh you know from that perspective maybe it's not too bad and you've said this before where it's not too bad to take that route in a league which does seem so unstable at the moment when it, when you look at some of the other clubs right yeah it's but that's how a club should operate in Australia. Let's be real where we are in the world, you know? There's a food chain. I always go back to the food the chain. Antonis, and Antonis Pagonas food chain. Just like yeah, two, two there, friends. There's a food chain and we're not very high on it. So you need to act accordingly. And that's what they're doing. And in Sydney, you're Sydney. You've got some good talent there. And I'm very glad that they're actually utilizing it. Now, when it comes to um, this talent, as a coach or as a recruitment department, you need to sit down and say, all right, we've got good players here, here, and here. Mm. Where can we sign some experienced players, Australians or internationals, to come in and support them? And that is where he will be judged and where McCarthy will be judged. As I said, his record right now is relevant to me. His record half a year, half a season, next season will be important to me about how they're competing, which players have they signed, how they're going, which young players are coming to, how they're going. That's what I'm looking at. I'm very happy with seeing MacArthur actually back a few of these young players Mm. because one Sydney club has to do it. You know, Sydney FC's young players all get used by the Wanderers. I I don't know what the Wanderers' young players are doing, but (laughs) at least MacArthur's using this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. is your catchphrase going to become um, the A-League needs to understand its place in the food chain? Is that just going to become like your mantra? Well, until the majority of the clubs understand it, you know, I'm just going to keep, it's just the reality of it. We no, don't, I agree. And yeah. I, kind of, I want to go back to that point because I always go back to that point. So every season, Adelaide comes into the season being expected to finish ninth or 10th. And every season, they end up being in finals. Why does that happen? Because people in South Australia and the Adelaide United circles, the people that are actually controlling the squad, know what's here. They know how to use that, utilize it. But from the outside, you don't have that same thinking. You don't see what you can see internally. And that's why it works in Adelaide. And if you can work in Adelaide with only a couple of million people population, somewhere like Sydney and Melbourne, you've got no excuses. Yeah. That's the only way you can actually function in Australia. And if MacArthur's realized that and decided to take that part of Milos Tekotovsky, good on them. I wish him all the best. And I'm looking forward to see what they recruit, what they promote, and how they go next season. Mm. But again, mm. you know, as we say, when you have an interim, you expect them to be outstanding to earn that full-time job. And that hasn't been the case for obvious reasons. And that obviously brings up a couple of question marks. But all the best for him and for them. Yeah, well, we'll see how um how MacArthur look next season, and if if some more of those young players can get blood. They actually had a big result, um, the MacArthur Academy recently beating Rockdale in the uh, in the NPL New mm-hmm. South Wales, which is a big result. So who knows? Maybe they could have a really solid NPL season. Some of those young guys could come out of there, and uh, and we could see them in the A League next season. But uh, I didn't want to touch on that too long. Let's move on to um the next bit I wanted to talk about. So. I was thinking, I was thinking of stuff, um, to kind of talk about what we're going to talk about on this, uh, on this podcast. And then obviously in the past week, we had news from, from Michael Zapponi that, that Lewis Nanny, uh, is set to leave Melbourne Victory and, and, and his 
end his contract early and will not return next season. And then we had Alessandro Diamante announce his retirement from the game. And what was interesting, well, I was just thinking today, oh, yeah, that this could be something to talk about, was this kind of difference in the way people perceive these two these two foreign players that, that played played in our league. Now, obviously, Diamante, we're coming from different angles here with Diamante, who was part of a championship-winning team, uh, you know, and performed so well for so long too. And Nani, who unfortunately had a, had a big injury um, and also didn't play that great when he was fit. But the reaction was very much with Nani, like, you know, and I think people are starting to see it now where it's kind of like, you know, why, why are we doing this like so or trying to do this so actively? Um, and that's, that's kind of my takeaway from that. And then from Diamante, it was more, I mean, what a great servant. It's been great to have him here. So there was like this, this massive juxtaposition, the way people reacted and, and defined these two players and their stints in the A league. Now, and like I mentioned, the mitigating factors, but it seems like more often than not, the nanny reaction is what we're getting when we're signing visa players when we want the Diamante reaction, but that's only coming from, I mean, you could probably name, you know, maybe you could probably name 15 or so players in, in A-League history, or maybe that's a little bit harsh. There's maybe a few more than that who have actually had that kind of, they've come here, they've embraced the culture, they performed as well, most crucially, you know, and then potentially off the pitch, they've also kind of contributed to the game in some way as well. Um, you know, it's very rare for us. And, and what I'm saying is kind of, unless you're going to get a foreigner in who can have that sort of effect, then don't bother at all. You don't need each and every single one of them to have that effect. I want to go back to, um, Diamante. That situation was very special because mm. he came in at the infancy of a club. The club was born mm. and Diamante was chosen to be one of its leaders. And that's why he's so endeared by that fan base because but even across the league though, even across the league. Again, I'll go there because Nani is again skill, pace, you know what you expect from Nani. Diamante's game is so much different. It's so easy on the eye. And the stuff he did scoring from halfway, scoring directly from corners, whatever he was doing, from tight angles, chips, and combine that with his character. And again, it's mm. underrated these days, but the social media presence, the jokes he's having on there, all that combining actually endears him to the Australian culture. He got around the, we talked down on the AFL, but he got around the AFL as well. People like to see that, you know? But that, this is, this is kind of what I'm saying. Character, yeah. Not just a real genuine character, but a player, a proper player that you're like, you know what? It's great to see. It's no, Secret, I'm an Atlanta United fan, but when we got smacked by Western United in 2019, I have never seen a player destroy my side so badly and me enjoying it because he was pulling <laughs> strings and you are like, you know what? You have to stand up and applaud yeah. because this guy is just a league above. And that builds to his legend. I would go, I would go and pay to watch Diamante, pick Diamante in the A-League play because it's beautiful. He can do things other players can't do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it's a similar thing to to when Del Piero was here, and that was that was different for a, a whole yeah. other kind of yeah. With Del Piero, and again, they wanted a similar effect with Nani, but Nani is a player that had a very good stint at, at Manchester United. Full stop. Del Piero mm-hmm. is a cultural phenomenon, you know. World Cup. But also, winner, also, Juventus it's the Italian captain, community in Sydney, and but yeah, it's not just a random Juventus player. 
someone that's captain the club, someone that when Juventus got relegated and disgraced, he stuck with them. You know, someone that it goes beyond the love for Juventus and you've won trophies for Italy. That is next level. He wasn't just a good player at a point. He is someone that you're like, wherever he goes and I'm around, I'm going to go. With Nani, that's a different case. Nani's, oh, he's Manchester United. I'll go see him. If I get close and get a picture, that's it. Tick, I've seen Nani. You know, he's not someone that will bring people week in, week out. Someone like Del Piero, you just cannot. If you're a football fan and you don't want to go watch Alessandro Del Piero, Del Piero play in your country, I'm sorry to break it to you. You're no very great football fan. <laughs> and wherever he went, I've never seen someone in Adelaide receive a tifo. He had Juventus fans with a tifo saying, welcome, captain. You know, that, that's enough sin. Yeah, okay. Uh, weird tangent. But um, what <laughs> point, <laughs> point is, like, Okay, I notice, and you've you've analysed this well, where where you're saying that we're looking at different kind of types of players and and players with different careers um, that engage fans in a different way. But the point is, I guess this is all coming back to the APL strategy to kind of target marquees and help the league from that perspective. And it doesn't seem—I mean, we're going to see next off season if that's going to kind of be be um, very very prevalent again, but. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if you can't get the, the culture setters, the, the trend, you know, the, the Diamante Del Piero types, which we just mentioned, even someone like a Shinji Ono, you know, these types of players, then this is what I'm kind of saying. Like, I just feel like clubs, are potentially wasting their money and an investment on, on that when they could instead be what we just talked about with MacArthur, investing into youth academy and, and, and promoting young players and, and taking that route. Or better yet, you know, taking a chance on, you know, we've seen like the Mariners do this, taking a chance on a young Aussie who, you know, like, who knows what's going on with Gary and Kowal, for example. Now, I don't want to get too far in this area, but if it isn't working out and something like that, you know, you could take a chance on someone like him to come back and then rejuvenate his career. So, you know, for me, I just, what I'm saying is there are so many other ways that you can go about this. And I don't think, as a league, we are getting it right. When you bring a player in, it has to be two, one of two. Either someone you're like, oh, it's a decent footballer, that's a decent person, I want to stick around the country, mm-hmm. which is what we've seen like with someone like Isaias, who is now nearly 10 years since he first started for Adelaide. He's still going at it, and I reckon he will be for a while, even after he's finished playing. Now, that's someone who's basically... But Isaias, is it... Sorry, Isaiah, it's an interesting one you mentioned them because you could very much see, we've seen it with Karuska, we've seen it with Marcos Flores, like Isaiah and who knows, maybe Javi Lopez as well, eventually when he hangs it up, like they might stay around, you know, contribute in a coaching sense locally to what's happening, like, yeah. With those guys though, but like Javi Lopez was obviously a captain in La Liga, etc. But someone like Isaias, no one knew what Isaias was when he mm. came in this country. And I remember his first game, he getting sent off in his first game and everyone was like, who is this clown? You know? And he ends up being <laughs> the heart and soul of your team. Mm. So that's someone that actually adopts and embraces what you have. And that comes down to clubs, not just selecting footballers, selecting characters. That's and right. I thought yeah. personally about Adelaide. The best Mikeys in Adelaide haven't just been great footballers. They've been fantastic people as well. Now, moving on to the second part, if you are going to bring in an international, you need to make sure it is much better than what you have here. 
because that will be my first question for any Adelaide player and any other player from any club. Like we saw with Western Sydney when they signed um, Kerpitz up front. Watching him play a couple of games, I'm like, you're starting him over it's been, Sydney <laughs> it's been It's been, what, two or three months and Solomon Kerpitz yeah. has finally returned. It's, it's, it's a perfect example because me, yeah. me as someone that enjoys and loves Australian football and wants to see it develop, I watch this and I'm like, this guy has no business being here starting over yeah. him. Yeah. And with everywhere, if you're going to bring someone in, you need to make sure he's better than what you have. Because, okay, someone will come to watch this marquee play, but guess what people want? People want their teams to win. So you need to balance this out. With Adelaide and the big crowds Adelaide's getting right now, it's a bit of a mix. Good football. People are seeing their clubs represented in that team and they want to go watch it. People are excited by these young players. There's internationals like Isaias, like Javi Lopez, like Hiroshi Busuki. But I don't think many people are saying, oh, you know why I'm going to go watch Hiroshi Busuki this week. He's That's a great exactly player, right. the, but he's not yeah. the big ticket item. What, what, what I think, yeah, what I think we might be getting at here is I think the league needs to start and clubs need to start looking more at foreign and visa signings more as a kind of cherry icing on the cake type thing as opposed to this is the thing that we're going to build around. Now, Diamante, if you want to go back to him, that was different, like you mentioned, because that was the start of a club. So to actually bring someone in to be the identity of the club who, who was so recognizable and had such a great career, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that made sense. In, in that aspect. But, you know, you don't, you know, like if you have a look at, like, you go back to Kerpich, for example, you know, and I just can't believe that, that, that we're somehow talking about him again. But, um, you know, you don't, like, why would you build your attack around a player like that? Is, is, is what we're saying. Instead, you, you buy a player like that to be complementary to whatever you already have. Um, and go back to your point there. I mean, you know, we're here in Adelaide. Like, people come to the games to see Nestor and Kunda. They're not coming to the games That's to the watch. That's the biggest cheer every week. That's right. They're not, and you know, we, we, we're in the press conference. John Aloisi couldn't believe it. Um, the noise when, when Nestor and Kunda every time he gets the ball, but no one is coming to, Adelaide fans don't go to games to watch Javi Lopez and Isaias. They, but, but they respect them so much and they understand their role in the team because, because they give that respect back. And, mm-hmm. and that is really, really important. Like, you know, you go through it. So I was actually, I was just surfing around today and just having a look, like who were the visa players that every club signed this season? So probably, um, Adelaide, Melbourne City and Wellington bar one, probably the only three clubs who kind of more or less got, have got most of their visa signings right for this season anyway. You could say maybe the jury's still out on someone like Ibisuki, but you know, it's not like he's been, it's not so like he's, he's been, been compared to what Adelaide has right, been That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Ibisuki or Jordy Thomason. Uh, let's, 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 yeah, but you, we don't need to discuss it. So, um, but you have a look at some of these other signings. I mean, Kerpich, we have mentioned. Paul Ayongo. I mean, where's he now? Kalechi John, it, it, who exactly, right? Mario Williams, he left along with Dwight York. Um, Cadet, you know, it's a goat. Now, this is someone who's still here, but has been poor, you know, someone like him, uh, Cadet, uh, Manibu Sato, remember that name when he was brought in, um, halfway through the season? Like, sorry, where's what, what's, what's he been doing, right? Um, Becca Dartsmelia, who ended up leaving. <laughs> um, Ben Azubel, who, who didn't even, like, he just, <laughs> He left off like something like six weeks and went to Malaysia. Um, and then they, then they got in Taggart and that was the whole thing. Um, uh, you know, Diego Caballo, who's someone who started consistently. But then I look at that situation. And I think, well, I mean, you brought jo- Joel King back on loan. Like, what was the point? Why, why, right? Um, 
And then someone else could be, uh, Yan Sass, who hasn't, who's been better in the second half of the season, but has not really been a great, uh, signing for Wellington. So like that's a bunch of different clubs who have made these signings as well. And I'm, it's, it's these signings, which I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm getting pissed off about because it's just kind of like, why, more to the point, why are clubs wasting this money when, and we need to be honest about this now, when they don't have that money to waste, you know, this isn't, the league's not in the same position it was, you know, uh, five, ten years ago. It's, it's different now. And, and, you know, clubs need to make sure whatever investment they're making like this is as sure, is as close to a sure thing as possible because then you don't want situations like what's happening in Melbourne Victory this season. And that's playing a part in why Nanny's probably leaving. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Melbourne Victory have kind of, said to him, look, I think we kind of need to get out of this as well. So it's it's just from all, you know, your your face as I was listening to these names and you were like, sorry, yeah. who? And, and all yeah, that. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of convinced you made like a quarter of these names up. <laughs> <laughs> when, like, I'm not even kidding. When I went and saw them today, I'm like, hey, oh, yeah, him. <laughs> I just, with the Nani situation, I don't want to, the, uh, jury, uh, you can say jury's out because he signed for two years, he only played a quarter to half a year. But again, he's someone that Victory fans were actively not enjoying. I thought, I know Victory fans have told me mm. that he's part of the problem. And again, you clubs themselves need to do their due diligence. The FA can, the APL, sorry, can do whatever they want. They can go into just whatever they want. At the end is the clubs that have to make the decision. No one's going to put the gun to your head and say, sign this guy. Mm. It's, your list, you manage your list and every club should know, all right, this is what we already have. These are the plays we want to introduce in the next year or two. Does it make sense to bring this guy in? You know, Adelaide United, if we were off at Nani, I'd be pretty upset if we accept him because we've got someone called Craig Goodwin on the left wing. You know, it's, it's not for every club. You need to understand as a club what you need, what you accept. And then when you find a player that sounds like it, not just look, oh, he was good at Manchester United. He was playing in America over a couple of years ago. Or he started. He was playing in Italy, in Syria recently. He's done nothing there. Is this the player we should be going after? Let's look at him as a person. Is he going to commit to Australia? Is he going to commit to the club? There's all these factors that come together for you to make a decision. You can't think about, oh, in the peak of his career, this is what he was doing, and think he's getting that same player. Because guess what? If he could do that, he wouldn't be coming and knocking on your door. You're in Australia. Let's get real. Yeah, no. And and there's there's a multitude of factors. Like when you look at why these signings fail, so it there's it's a whole different reason. There's, you know, either not good enough, um, basically didn't didn't want to stick around. There's there's that too. Um didn't or or what you've kind of mentioned there, and this is the thing about Nanny, which has kind of annoyed, I think, me and, and probably some of the Victory fans as well, is that you know he got injured and it was kind of like, yeah, see you guys, um, and that was just it's just bizarre as well. Also, also because your your club is really struggling, you know, and and they kind of it would be good for the players who are playing to know that. You're, you know, the experienced international, you've won the Champions League, you know, you've, you've been there and done that, played under Sir Alex, you know, they, it would, your presence there alone could, could help that team. 
now whether you believe that or not is whatever but that's just just my kind of opinion but, but it's your contract you know you need no to, that's right yeah and another thing i want to say is how unless unless what i'm saying unless victory have said look we're in such a dire, dire situation that that we need to get off of this yeah but nanny left the country a lot before this contract yeah. was resolved yeah. another thing i want to bring up is when you sign these players is how you play them as well you cannot sign 36 year old nanny and say oh you're going to be a centerpiece it's not realistic. And it's not when you were right. watching victory. Yeah. It was nanny, nanny, nanny. This is where we're going to go. This is our plan A. And he is not that player anymore. You know, you have to be realistic with how you use these players. You know, if this was nanny seven, eight years ago, then yeah, maybe you could use him that way. But seven, eight years ago, he didn't know what the A-League was. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and, and you're spot on. So, like, you look at, I was just thinking there. So, Melbourne City... Now, they're, they're a, look, they are a whole different kettle of fish because they've got such an easier accessible scouting network and, and they've got the funds and they can really do their due diligence at a much higher level. But I mean, it's chalk and cheese. When you look at someone like Richard van der Ven, you know, at the start of the season, the first, I remember the first couple of games, he didn't actually start and you're kind of thinking, Oh, what's, you know, what's going on here? What's, how's he going to look? And then all of a sudden they just slowly integrated him into the system and it was like, Oh my God, he's actually perfect to everything that they want to do, you know, as, as that kind of box to box midfielder operating in the half spaces, all this sort of thing. And like, that's, that's the kind of thing. That's what you want. You either want an additive complementary piece or, or you could actually sign, you know, you could find some gem, 25 years old, something, someone like that. He's middle-aged and you could actually build a team around. You could still build around a foreign player. I'm not, I don't think we're, we're saying that's not possible, but I think you have to be very, very sure of what, what you're doing. But it's who you recruit. Cause if you build, if you're like Newcastle signs, his name escapes me, the one they signed last season that left them in Newcastle. Daniel was, Pena. Yeah. Yeah, like he's that. a centerpiece. Obviously, that's right. You yeah. obviously build around that, but it's because, as you said, he's mid twenties. You know, you expect to build around that player because each and every player you sign is a different situation, and mm. you need to deal with that situation accordingly. Now, uh, Melbourne City have these players in, but let's not forget. And I'm going to go and harp back on victory on that because Melbourne City actually have a few very promising young players in and in and around that team. Which isn't, it isn't what victory are doing. They've got a few young players that have been inconsistent. They haven't been properly backed. It's, it's night and day, you know, and City have actually built that squad saying, Oh, this is what we have. You know what? A rich van der Ven, a, a Valen Berisha could really do a job here. And they're players you can build around, you know, early thirties. I think they both are around that age, but you can see they go, they play full games. They're proper players. Not big headliners, but and Barisha, Barisha as well, uh, kind of like his namesake, uh, where you know he he's, he's very passionate, you know, g- gives a shit, like really gives a shit, you know. But you know what? Like when someone like that comes, maybe not everyone around the league will say, "Oh, yes, you came, Richie Van der Ven." But guess who's going to remember them? These mm. Melbourne City fans. That's right. And at yeah. the end of the day, that's what matters mm. because. When they're lifting that premier plate the other day, Richie Van Der Ven will be in that picture. That's who they'll remember. That's who brings people to the stadium. And it hasn't worked that way in Melbourne City for many, many reasons. But they've got, compared to the majority of the clubs in this country, they're actually doing it well. They've got those resources that we said that not every club has. 
But these young players are introducing. There's no reason why other clubs like Melbourne Victory in the same city can't be doing the same thing consistently. Real quick, because you mentioned this to me um, recently off air, um, Isaias, he's approaching, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, 10 years as an LA United player? Um, July is 10 years. Uh, yeah. Obviously not 10 continuous years because he had that spell yeah, in, that's right. um, where was it, Saudi or Qatar? Saudi Arabia, yeah. But, uh, Qatar, Qatar, know, Qatar, my bad, yeah. yeah. While he was in Qatar, he basically helped Bruce Jitte sign Javi Lopez. He recommended him. So, you know, physically it may not be 10 years, but mentally it's 10 years at the club. And again, I'll go back to it and say, his debut, I remember getting sent off and we're like, what is this? <laughs> he's gone to become like a, in the pantheon of the club for so many different reasons. And he will be here. In football for years after his retirement, he's got one more season and the back end of this season, it's been like 2017, 2018, Isaiah is playing out there. He's been very impressive the last few weeks. Okay. Uh, real quick before you finish up, Adelaide beating the Mariners, uh, tonight. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It's our home. So <laughs> I'm going to back Adelaide, but you know, the Mariners after a bit of a dry spell have actually gone back into mm. form and you're not going to discount them. So. Two top four games tonight. It's going to decide a lot with how the finals play out. Let the fun begin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, um, that's going to do it for uh, for another episode of the podcast. Make sure you check us out on uh, on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Front PG Football. We're also on Facebook, uh, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, um, and of course we got our website, uh, Front Page Football. Dot net. Uh, Antonis, anything you wanted to, anything you wanted to plug, anything you wanted to add uh, before we go? Um, latest piece, give it, make sure you give it a read before you comment. <laughs> it's about a potential magic crowd. Again, it's not something I'm saying should happen, should not happen. I've got a couple of different opinions in there, a couple of coaches, a fan, along with my opinion that looks at both sides in the end. And I think you said Sunday morning, we're going to hear from um, the first club, the first fans affected by the APL's um, grand final sale. We've got a chat with one of them from Western United. So real stuff that's actually happening and a lot of fans will experience themselves in the men's game in the next month. So keep a key on the website and the socials. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this at the moment and you're about to comment on like one event on one Tonus's tweet uh, sharing his gather round article and you're about to comment, hey idiot, you got no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got no idea what you're talking about. Um, you know, we can't do this. You know, whatever. Just just remember, just remember. You know, put a lot of time into this. So just you know. No, 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 no. I don't care about the time. Please read it. Read it. Just read. Sorry, sorry. That's what. Remember. Uh, read the articles in full. That, that's what no, I should be saying. Yeah. I don't mind it. I don't, I don't mind the heat. I enjoy the heat, <laughs> but I want to make sure you know what you're talking about, especially when it's very ironic when I'm told I don't know what I'm talking about. When, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you don't know how to complete your point, you just go, whatever. <laughs> All right. All I right. Think we, we made it quite clear. Anyway, yeah, we, yeah, we made it clear. We made it clear. Just, <laughs> just, Click, just read. Scroll. <laughs> There's a time. Scroll. It, it takes five minutes. Put the timer on. I promise. 
click, read, scroll before Comments. you put, hang on, hang on, before you race your, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Antonis, uh, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for joining me again. Uh, and to everyone, uh, who is listening, thanks, uh, thanks for your time. And, uh, until next time, it's bye for now.